Catherine Harry är en välkänd feminist och sexualupplysare bland den yngre generationen i Kambodja. Genom sina videos på Youtube har hon fått hundratusentals följare. Som till exempel i den här, där hon avhandlar klitoris. Because in Cambodia when people are talking about autonomy, they don't really talk about the clitoris. They talk about the uh, labia, they talk about the vagin, uh, the vaginal hole, they talk about the anus, but they don't really talk about the clitoris. So I thought this would be a good introduction to what a clitoris is, talking about the nerve endings and then talking about how its main purpose or its only purpose is actually to give pleasure to people with vaginas. Yeah. När hon började för sex år sedan fanns det ingen som pratade lika öppet om sexuella och reproduktiva rättigheter. Och hennes videos fyllde ett stort tomrum och behov hos framförallt en yngre generation som konsumerar sociala medier. Sen dess har hon tagit upp allt ifrån samtycke, abort, våldtäkt, analsex, orgasm, feminism- och har därmed upplyst stor del av den unga generationen kambodjaner om allt det som de inte får lära sig om i skolan. And then in 2017 I started making videos because in Cambodia we don't have a strong reading culture. People would rather watch stuff than read stuff. So I thought if I make videos I could reach more people. So I started making all those videos. I started talking about Fifty Shades of Grey, about BDSM, about consent, about safe sex, about abortion. Men reaktionerna har inte bara varit positiva. Kath är numera van vid enorma mängder hat- Precis som i många andra länder runt om i världen finns det de som provoceras av att en ung kvinna tar plats och beter sig som att det är hennes självklara rättighet att få ta plats. I got a lot of backlash. It was really bad. I've been called every name in the book, slut shamed. I remember being on Channel News Asia because I was selected as Forbes 30 under 30 Asia in 20, um, 2018. And I went to see the comments and people were commenting saying that women like me are the reason why rape exists. I have been, I've seen comments from men saying that if I was their sister, they would have beaten me. So a lot of comments like that. But recently it feels like the conversation has been normalized more because they... When I first started, they expected me to back down the more that they were hating on me. But then... The more that they were giving those kind of comments, I still kept on going. I actually, in in their words, I got worse because I started talking about anal sex. I started talking about even deeper topics. So at one point, they just got tired of it. I actually met a this guy, uh, and he told me he told me that when he first saw my videos way way back in the beginning, he hated me. He hated me so much, and he would leave mean comments. And then he said after a while, he kept seeing the videos, so he started watching it more and more. And then at one point, he was like. Hatarna hoppades att jag skulle tystna. Men ju mer de hatade, desto mer pratade jag. Om de inte gillade min video om klitoris, 
då gjorde jag en video om analsex nästa gång. Så vid det här laget har de mer eller mindre tröttnat, säger Kath. I remember my video about clitoris has like three million views. So I would think that at least a few million people now know that the clitoris exists. <laughs> Is that like a taboo to talk about female pleasure? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. When we're talking about sex, um, a lot of people think that it's a thing that men take where women give. So it's not like a give and take kind of thing. So men just keep taking the pleasure while women give the pleasure. But it should be a two-way street. It should be like a dance, you know, where both parties or... All the parties, if there are more, uh, should be enjoying that. So I do try to emphasize a lot about female pleasure, talking also about cunnilingus as well, because that's not talked about a lot. When people talk about oral sex, it's like, it's for men. But then you should also talk about cunnilingus as well. Yeah. Att prata om kvinnors sexuella lust är absolut ett tabu i Kambodja, där sexualundervisningen i skolorna fortfarande är nytt på schemat. We're not taught sex education in school, and even the little that we're taught is very heteronormative. So for people who are of other gender identities and sexuality, they don't see themselves being represented or being taught in school. We don't even, a lot of people don't even talk about um, gender non-binary, like non-binary people, transgender people. It's still very new. It's a very new topic in the country. When we're talking about Premarital sex, it's a big no-no for people, but it's only a big no-no for women. For men, it's okay. Just like most places in the world, it's just like that. Women should be pure, women should be virgins, and even how we dress. So a lot of uh, conversations around around um, sexual violence is victim blaming, saying that, oh, you were raped because you wear this kind of clothing. But the difference between Cambodia and a few other places where women are oppressed like this is that people here don't use religion as a tool to weaponize against women. We use culture. So we would say things like, you're a Cambodian woman, if you do this, it's against culture. You're bringing shame because it's against the culture. There's no talk of religion. You don't do this because it's sinful, no. You don't do this because you're a Cambodian woman. I Cambodia används inte religionen som ett argument för att förtrycka. Istället hänvisar man till kulturen. Att vara en god kambodjansk kvinna innebär bland annat att du förväntas vara oskuld för äktenskapet och att du tar hand om hem och hushåll. Cambodia remains a very heavily patriarchal country. You can see it with the system in the government, with the representation in the government, with the representation in um, private sector. So it's very, it's heavily patriarchal. We also got some influence of that from the colonial time, from the French. So there are still remnants of that in the country. We have some sayings that are so problematic, but people still listen to it. People still use it such as saying that a woman is a white cloth once you're stained you're stained forever meaning that if you uh, if you lose your virginity then you're stained and you cannot wash away that stain they're also saying that women cannot go around the kitchen the stuff because in the kitchen back then the the stuff 
it would be close to the wall, so you cannot walk around it. So saying that you, if you're born a woman, you're stuck there. You can't even go away from your kitchen. And I was talking to a professor about this, and she said it's called colonial amnesia, how we forget that our culture before colonialism was not like this, but then we had amnesia in a way, and we adopted the colonial's culture, the colonizer's culture as our own. And that is exactly what happened in Cambodia. Begreppet kolonial minnesförlust säger en del om det patriarkala konservativa arv som fortfarande finns i vår kultur, säger Kath, och berättar att en av de största feministiska utmaningarna är samhällsproblemet med mäns våld mot kvinnor. Här, precis som i de flesta andra delar av världen. Statistics from a few years ago says that one in three women have experienced violence in some form. So either is physical violence, sexual violence, economic violence or sexual violence. Um, so one in three women is a lot and it's not acceptable. It's not okay. I remember... Oh yeah, I, I meant emotional violence. I, I said sexual violence twice. Um, anyway, there was a research in 2014 that talked about men, that talked about perpetrators, and they found that one in five men have raped a woman at one point in their life. One in five is horrifying. It's It's devastating to see that kind of statistic. So... I would say that gender-based violence is something that we need to solve and it's a problem that's happening everywhere in the world and we need to start taking actions and stopping this. En av tre kvinnor i Kambodja har erfarit någon form av våld i sitt liv och en annan undersökning från 2014 visade att var femte man uppgav att han hade våldtagit en kvinna i sitt liv. Det är förkrossande att se den statistiken säger Kath som även varit viktig i sin kamp och upplysningsarbete kring frågan om samtycke. Oh, consent is a dicey topic in Cambodia. Um, a lot of people don't really understand consent. It's a very new conversation. I remember that it wasn't even talked about at all before I started doing my content. But now a lot more people are talking about consent. But in general... There still needs to be a lot more conversations around that, especially in school, especially for children, because consent is more than about sex. Children should also learn about consent. Children shouldn't be forced to hug an adult that they don't want to. That's also consent, but we don't really teach children that. So when they grow up to be adults, they don't know how to establish boundaries. They don't know that they can say no if they feel uncomfortable. So it really creates a generational problem. Um, But I do feel like consent needs to be talked about more in the country. There are still people who think that if you didn't shout for help, if you didn't call out for help, then it wasn't raped, which is just ludicrous. That's not how consent works, but there's, there's still that kind of misconception. Det finns fortfarande många här i Kambodja som tror att om du inte skrek på hjälp eller gjorde motstånd så räknas det inte som våldtäkt, säger Kath. Och berättar att me too aldrig fick något direkt genomslag i Kambodja. It didn't take off. Um, so there have been some cases of people reporting or talking about uh, sexual assault, about sexual misconducts that were committed because 
in Me Too, it was about exposing men in position of power, right? And there were a few cases here where the sexual misconducts were committed, or allegedly were committed by people of higher position of power. But the difference between Cambodia and America or European country is that there are actual consequences that are life-threatening when it comes to reporting men in position of power. It's not just about losing your job or about not being able to star in movies like the case of Harvey Weinstein, but here you can actually use, lose your life. And that kind of consequences is something that a lot of survivors can't take. And I completely understand that. And it also affects their family. And then there's also systematic problems that would also prevent that kind of case to escalate, either escalate in the media or uh, or circulate amongst people. So it's really difficult when it comes to things like that. MeToo handlade om att avslöja män i maktpositioner och det fanns såklart sådana fall även här. Men skillnaden mellan Kambodja och till exempel Europa eller USA är att det kan vara livsfarligt att avslöja män med makt. Det handlar inte bara om att du förlorar ditt jobb eller inte får en roll i en film som till exempel i fallet Harvey Weinstein. Här i Kambodja kan det leda till att du förlorar ditt liv. Så jag kan förstå de som inte ville träda fram, säger Kath. Och berättar att hennes pappa inte direkt varit så glad över att just hon tagit rollen som Kambodjas kändaste feminist och sexualupplysare. So I don't have a strong relationship with my dad. Uh, it's always been rocky. He he always looks at me as like this idealistic, like bright-eyed girl who wants to change the world, and he didn't like that. He thought I should be realistic. He thought I should just focus on making a lot of money and not think of changing the world. But I was insistent on that. So um, it's been difficult in a way, me going on this journey. But then when he started to see the success that I have gotten, he kind of understands that, and he is... In a way, he he uh, he accepts what I do. So at least there's that. Um, but with my mom, so my mom has always been very supportive. And the thing with her is that she was sheltered her entire life, so she didn't know anything about all of these topics that I do. So in a way, our relationship kind of feels different because I'm the one teaching her about all of this, about gender, and she listens to me. It's kind of weird sometimes when I hear her watching my videos. <laughs> um, but I know that she watches them and she starts to learn about them. She's At least she's open to learn more and to understand. And she's always been very, very understanding, very supportive of it. Kath bor tillsammans med sin mamma och sina älskade hundar i ett litet hus på andra sidan floden i Phnom Penh. Något hon trivs mycket bra med. Hon har ingen längtan efter vare sig barn eller äktenskap. Något som är ovanligt i Kambodja där man förväntas gifta sig relativt ung. I don't believe in marriage. So I'm 28 and I should be in the age where women get married. But I don't believe in marriage. I don't really see myself having aspiration of being a a wife or have or being a mother. I don't see things like that in my future. And for me, I I just don't have maternal instincts. I I look at kids and I see them as kids and babies, and I don't really feel the urge to go hug them. I feel that urge with puppies, with kittens. <laughs> 
and because of that, it's a little bit different for a lot of people. But I do see a generation uh, of women, or at least a few more women, um, especially millennials and Gen Zs, who are starting to see that there's another way of living that you don't have to actually get married and have children, that you can actually have a satisfying life, that you can defy that kind of lifestyle, that kind of uh, future that was decided for you. So I do see a lot of people starting to embrace that. Cambodias befolkning är en ung befolkning. 30 procent är under 25 år. Och det är dessa som nu sakta men säkert kämpar för att förändra gamla seglivade normer kring kön och sexualitet. Catherine Harry är en av dem och hennes brinnande engagemang för feminism och reproduktiva rättigheter har redan satt tydliga avtryck bland hennes följare som precis som Kath drömmer om den dag då grundläggande kroppsliga rättigheter med allt vad det innebär i en självklarhet. It's very important for me because it's my freedom, it's my body. I want to claim my body. I want to be able to do what I want with it. I don't want I don't want people, other people to make laws and regulations deciding what I do with it or what is in it. For example, what I grow or what I don't grow in my body. I don't want that. I want to be able to decide my own future and decide who I want to allow to touch me, who I don't want to allow to touch me. I want to exercise my freedom as a person, not as a woman, but as a person with autonomy. And that also includes knowing, having information, making informed decisions as well, because it's not just about being able to do what you want, but actually having the knowledge to to be to be your best self. So knowing when you need medical attention, knowing how to take care of your body, and owning your pleasure. So it's a it's a multitude of things. So much. Du har lyssnat på Body Rights, en podd från RFSU av och med mig, Maria Sveland. Fler avsnitt finns överallt där poddar finns.